0: The question is this. What is it that has some of us find our way to the top of our game, to overcome adversity and challenges, resistance and self-sabotage, to rise from the ashes time and time again? What is it that has everyday people, just like you and I, act boldly in the name of their passions and live out their wildest dreams in this lifetime? That is the question. And this podcast has the answers. My name is Carrie McCauley, and this is Choose Unstoppable. Hello and welcome to another episode of Choose Unstoppable. My name is Carrie McCauley and today I am here with Amina Yun, and you guys are in for such a treat. Let me just introduce her for a short moment. She is a multifaceted entrepreneur dedicating herself to helping women have healthier lives and healthier wallets. So she runs two businesses, one in personal training and one in personal finance. She is also a two-time breast cancer ass-kicker, as she likes to say, and is here today to talk about creating a new and empowering perspective, excuse me, which I think the world needs to hear more of right now. And so, Mina, welcome. Thank you. I'm so grateful to spend this time with you.
1: I am so stoked to spend this time with you.
0: Thank you for having me. You got it. Okay. So let's just go back a little. You've got Mm -hmm. this wonderful life. You've got these two thriving businesses. You've somehow magically combined the world of personal fitness and the world of personal finance, which I love. But then out of nowhere, I'm assuming cancer comes and knocks on your door. Mm -hmm. So if we can just go back to that moment and just walk us through a little bit about how that came to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the funny thing is, is that for most of my career as a personal trainer, when I did a whole bunch of health seminars, I did a ton of seminars on how to uh, change your lifestyle to prevent these diseases like heart attack, stroke, and cancer. And I used to say this thing. I don't know if people even know this, but when I shared with them at the time, the statistic of people... That would be diagnosed with cancer sometime in their life was one in three, and I used to say this thing like, "Hey, just you know, s- turn to the person on your right and turn to the person on your left and say hello." And I'm like, "Look, y'all, that's one of you," and you see like their faces blanch. And then the funnier thing, and the funnier thing is when I was in finance and I sit with a lot of couples. And we talk about how to set themselves up for financial success and planning. And we really talk about the importance of having critical illness insurance, which will pay out if you're diagnosed with one of these things. And oftentimes it's a married couple in front of me. So there's three of us at this table. I'm like, look, guys, it's one of us at this table. And like, ha 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 ha," jokes on me, right? So it's, it's a great irony that this sort of happened to me. But You know, to go back to your question of how it all started, it began a little over three years ago. And we're lying in bed, getting ready to sleep, My spouse turns over to hug me and puts his hand on my breast and he squeezes it and he says, what's this? And like, honestly, my first thought was like, yo, I like, I know we've been together a long time, but you need to up your game because this is not turning me on by any means whatsoever. And I was like, really? And he said, no, seriously, what is this? And that's when I put my hand on my breast where he was pointing and I realized, oh my God, there's a lump there. So he says, you know, can you please go check it out? And and I'm like, yeah, check it out. And at the time I wasn't really too concerned just because statistically about 80% of lumps in women's breasts end up being nothing so i'm thinking eh, i have no family history i'm healthy i actually practice what i preach you know i meditate i eat well i think positively like it it should be fine so i i went to the doctor uh, who ordered an ultrasound and mammogram and even the doctor was saying yeah you know you don't have a family history you're young and it, i'm sure it's nothing sure enough for it to come back to say actually we really think it's something which led to a biopsy which led to my cancer diagnosis and You know, that first time around, it was a combination of utter shock. Like, how could this have possibly happened? But then, you know, my my own techie brain, like my own geeky brain kind of kicked in. It's like, oh, this, I've trained my whole life for this you know i know exactly what i needed to do i'm going to kick this mother in the balls and like we're we're going to do this and and you know as far as breast cancer is concerned i mean there's so many different kinds of breast cancer and there're varying stages of advancement and it appears that i caught it at a fairly early stage so in my mind i'm thinking oh i i i may have hit the breast cancer jackpot i think i got off early on this and my surgeon said, uh, it looks like we can just do a lumpectomy, so just to remove the tumors. I had two of them in there, and we don't have to do a mastectomy, so I get to keep my boobs. I'm like, woohoo, awesome. And, and the surgery was, you know, actually, relatively speaking, was a cakewalk. I, I, uh, they, I went in for surgery. I think the actual surgery itself took like 20 minutes. I woke up, I know I woke, like probably in enough time it takes for you to enjoy a latte. And then I uh, woke up about an hour after that. And about an hour after that, I was sent home. I took three, four days off work. I was back at work and good as new. And uh, I did not have to do chemo. It was uh, very, very grateful for that. Um, I made the somewhat controversial decision. Um, However, I will say also very highly educated decision to reject radiation therapy. For many reasons. And I just kind of like started to rebuild my life. I mean, it was stressful. Trust me, it was stressful. But in the grand scheme of things, it was okay. I was okay. So lived life, um, you know, I made even, I was already living quite healthy, but I even made more radical changes to my diet and supplements and, and my lifestyle. And then uh, going forward, what they wanted to do was a mammogram. So I was going to get a mammogram every year, and the first follow up all clear, awesome. And then the second follow up all clear. I'm like even more awesome.
0: And is this years like, now in between these follow ups or
1: one year in every yeah, yeah. What, uh, every year for five years was what they were going to do to follow up with me. And um, after the second mammogram, um, I was starting to feel weird. Like it, it's it felt like my breast felt different and i couldn't say how and you know women's breasts most women's breasts are lumpy as it is like we have lumps everywhere yeah, mine right? just
0: for anyone listening i yeah. have exceptionally yeah. lumpy breasts yeah. yeah
1: we got lumps everywhere so it's like yeah. is this cancer is this cancer is this and especially oh. now that i had um, now that i had surgery there i had all kinds of scar tissue so i'm like oh was that was that scar tissue there before? Or was that lump there before? And so, you know, this really goes to show to advocate for yourself and to always, always do self-breast exams because um, I had my follow-up. So after the mammogram, you meet with your surgeon and my surgeon gave me the results of my mammogram and she said, yep, all clear. And she did a physical breast exam. She goes, okay, you're good. And then about four months after that, I met with my oncologist and he did a physical breast exam. He's like, okay, you're good. But you know, there was a tiny voice in the back of my mind thinking my breast doesn't feel right. And it wasn't until November. So that last mammogram was in May of last year. It wasn't until November where that voice got loud enough. I'm like, man, this breast does not feel right. So at that point I made an appointment with my family doctor. So she does a breast exam. And what do you know? She found a lump in the other breast. And I'm like, yo man, like what the fuck? So she's like, oh, there's something here. I'm like, but that's the wrong breast, you know? And she felt the original breast and she goes, yeah, there's a lot of fibrosis there, but let's go ahead and alter, uh, order you an ultrasound. So this is when it really uh, pulled the rug underneath me because that ultrasound came back to show that I had five tumors in the other breast. And You know, at this point, when I met with the surgeon, she said, "We can't save this breast anymore. You definitely have to have a mastectomy now." So my 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 face kind of goes white, you know. And but uh, you know, it's in my nature that I'm generally calm on the outside, regardless, and I'm I'm pretty level-headed. So I think that has worked for me in dealing with something like this. Um, But there was also the question to do with uh, with this new lump in the other breast. So we found out that yes, the cancer has come back in the left breast, and the right breast had developed a precancerous lesion. And then after some more tests, we actually found out after the fact that there was a second one there the whole time as well. And we weren't quite sure what it was. And I said, you know what? Um, we could just do a lumpectomy on the right breast and swell. But but then I, you know, my vanity comes back, and I'm like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with one boob? Like, I don't know, man, but it would be nice to have one boob. It would nice, It would be nice nice to keep one erogenous boob, <laughs> you know, from, <laughs> like, all, I, I just went back and forth, but finally I said, you know, guys, who's to say that there's not a third one in there? Like, you didn't even catch the second one. You didn't catch any of these. So I finally made the decision to have a bilateral mastectomy. So I took uh, both breasts out January 24th of this year. Uh... There, there are a lot of options for reconstruction. One of them is to have implants, which for me personally, based on what I know about implants and my own personal beliefs about holistic health, that was not an option for me. There's a second option, which is like super cool. Tell me if you've ever heard of this. Go on. You can cut out a piece of your body. So the most common one is your lower abdomen. So you can't cut out skin and fat, from your lower abs and you graft them to your chest and make breasts out of them.
0: That sounds almost like a dream come true minus the cancer, obviously. But if I could take some of this lower yeah. abdomen fat and <laughs> just add it to my boobs right now, I would be like, okay, tell yeah. me more. Right? So at, that was my first thought. And when I looked
1: into it more, it is nothing like that. It's a oh. 10 hour surgery. Gee you'd have to probably take up to 3 months off work wow and and not only that but you know as much as we'd love to think oh you get a free tummy tuck and a free boob job it nothing yeah. is further from the mm-hmm. truth because those breasts have no physical sensation they're completely numb you have scars some women will have scars right across the top of their breasts some of them have several Scars across their breasts. Plus, you have this scar that goes from hip to hip across your abdomen. And it's not like a tummy tuck where you can hide it low so it doesn't show at the bikini. This one, depending on where the blood vessels are, so it, it could be well above your bikini line. It, it, there's just so many different things. Sure. It's it's as much as we'd love to think that it is, it's nothing like that. And and but I thought, you know, I'd like to look into that. And to make a very long story short, it was not an option for me either. So my third option was like, okay, I am going flat. So, which means uh, I would have my breasts removed, um, uh, as well, all the skin and nipples removed, and I'm going to get sewn up, and be left with nothing but two straight lines across my chest. And, wow, that was um, like I had, you know, when when I when I came to that realization that that was going to be the only option available to me right now. You know, I, I the first thing was like, you know what, I. I can do it. I'm like, they're just boobs. I mean, boobs don't define my beauty. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you and your beauty standards. If you have a problem with it, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Fuck the patriarchy. (laughs) Like I just got like really (laughs) feminist, kind of came out. And then sometime around day six, I started crying. I'm like, I want boobs. I was like, I want boobs. And it's just such an interesting experience of um, how deeply ingrained Mm -hmm. our identity.
0: Ours uh, is is tied to our breasts. So fascinating and uh, heart wrenching because we do want to be the woman that is like, this does not define me, but it goes so much deeper. Like, even just hearing you say the words, and then I had a bilateral mastectomy, like, there's a weight to that. I mean, yes, it's a surgery, but there's a weight of just what that means with like up against it should mean nothing like as a woman you know what is it that makes us a woman clearly like if I had my appendix out you know I'm sure it would hurt I don't know anything about having appendix out so please don't take (laughs) this as a medical that if I had that out, I wouldn't feel the same as if, you know, you, you if you lost a finger, okay, it would be impact, but it doesn't define you as a woman losing something like breasts is, is what it's not only such a focal point in society, but it, it is one of the things that differentiates you from the other, from the the, the man, the, the male.
1: Well, it's, and, and like, it's, it's just so, so like it runs so deep, like even just with some stupid shit I've come across. And I know people say stupid things when, when like, it's, it's an awkward subject for them. So, you know, at least I have the... Uh, you know some compassion for them because maybe like they said stupid stuff but like to give you an example I had to break the news to two male friends of mine we were all up for dinner uh, my, my spouse and I and these two guy friends and I had to break the news to them not too many people had known about what I was experiencing at the time and to let them know that it looks like the cancer's come back and you know once the biopsy comes back positive for cancer, then I am facing at least a single mastectomy, if not a double. And I had to break the news to them. And as we were kind of talking, uh, one of them did the universal sign language for boobs. Like, you know, he cups his hands in front of his chest. Yeah. Turns to my spouse and says, yo, I'm sorry, man. And I'm like, did did you just give your condolences to my spouse? I'm like, I'm the one losing my breath. Did you just say that? Right. So like, there's this idea of like the value of my attractiveness or my sensuality and all that as it relates to the the male gaze. So, you know, but no, bless my spouse. Like, you know, if there's anything that what I've really gotten out of this is how blessed I am to have chosen the right partner because he has stepped up to the plate like you would not believe and I do know when couples when the going gets rough that's when it really shows yeah he has been amazing and I remember he he just sort of looked at him he did not think it was funny and he just turned to me says honestly I just want her to be healthy so you know
0: which is a little bit of a slap at the same yeah. time. It to be totally, like,
1: it totally yeah. shut them up. Yes. Yeah. And then like even um, just, uh, you know, some people do ask me if I consider, if, if I will consider reconstruction or not. Um, it's up in the air for me, but I remember another conversation talking with uh, someone and I was going over the pros and cons of what are the options out there and whether I should reconstruct or not, and just kind of like sharing with him the research that I had done about it so far. And he made this joke saying, Oh, but Mina, think of your man. And I'm like, he he has no bearing on on this. This is my body. So like it just goes to show like when people say things off the cuff, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be stupid or not, or intentional or not, it just shows how deeply ingrained it yeah. is the value of my breasts. And And then finally, uh, I do get comments, uh, not a lot, but I do get some comments about, you know, uh, how do I want to wear it? Like the value of a woman's breasts decline as she gets older, Mm -hmm. number one. Like the older I get, the less important it is to reconstruct. Uh, The value of my breasts decline whether I am single or not. Like if I'm already in a committed relationship, it's less important for me to have breasts. So I've had comments
0: along those lines. So it, it, it runs deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and even... As I'm sure you can imagine yourself picturing yourself in some of those other scenarios, it may also become very complex for you. As much as it still shouldn't, we want this to be a world where that would be so irrelevant. And yes, yes it's insensitive coming from others, but even if I try to insert myself into those different scenarios of either you know, being single, and younger, like would it weigh on the decision? Like there's just so much complexity around it. And um, Mina is someone who I I follow on social media and um, how vulnerable you have been or or how transparent you have been during this entire um, process, if you will, has been such an inspiration, not only as a cancer survivor, but as a woman and having real conversations around what is it to be a woman if it is not our physical, which obviously it is so much more, but how tightly wound the two have become. Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, And, you know, the courage and the vulnerability and the, the mental steadfast that you have portrayed and demonstrated and shared has just been um, moving and inspiring, but empowering. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I really do mean it. And you had mentioned um, in our little pre-chat about the idea of being okay with not being okay, because as we put ourselves in those shoes of those other identities, or God forbid, into your shoes as you've been going through this, I think the sentiment of being okay with not being okay is something, mm-hmm. you know, a, again, just to timestamp stamp this interview a little, we're in the midst of COVID 19, mm-hmm. where everyone is experiencing, obviously, not to the extent of what you've been through, but their own version of, um, just not being okayness in the world right now. There is a lot of pain. I mean, for sure, some of us are, are, are doing okay in the COVID world, but mm-hmm. the idea of, of not being okay. And so how, how, do you, how did you come to terms with being okay with not being okay mentally?
1: Yeah, well, there, there's a few stories I want to share with you around that. Yeah. Like, even if it's something as simple as acknowledging that I want to cry. So, there, so my kind, there are a lot of different personalities of women who go through cancer or people who go through cancer, uh, people who uh, walk into a doctor's office and the doctor says, yes, this is cancer, and then they don't remember a thing after that like just a blur. I'm not that person. I will like research the shit out of everything, come with like an itemized list of questions and I'll like like that doctor will be fucking sweating by the time I'm done with them, okay? So I'm I'm that kind of person. So it it appears in most cases that I really am on the ball, but when you research, you're also going to read all kinds of insanity on Google. Like mm-hmm. Google is just uh, a swamp, a cesspool of like crazy stuff, and so I have to sort of filter it all out. But every once in a while, it'll get to me emotionally, and then I'll like just start crying and like, and so like my spouse will come. He's like, Mina, you have like, close the laptop. You have to, you have to get off. And then I finally just said, No. If I want to be upset, I'm going to be upset. Don't tell me how to be. Like I was crazy, right? (laughs) Like like I go totally crazy. And like, so just to actually say, look, I, I want, like, I, I need to do this and yes, I'm upset and just let me be upset. And then, and then being okay with like, every once in a while, I'll just start bawling. Like I had moments where I started bawling for no reason and I didn't have to justify it. You know, it's, it's more this thing like, oh, I, I should be over this by now or, you know, and just like, Hey, I'm just upset. And I don't know why I'm sure it's because of cancer. <laughs> so, but like, I don't have to justify myself. Um, there's no timeline for healing from trauma. There's no timeline for healing from grief. Um, like I've had a few days where I was really well and people reach out to me like, how are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I've had a few good days, but that could change. And I knew that it totally could. And, and being okay with that. And then, um, I, I really found, and it's not for everybody, but like, I was extreme, like as, as you've been following, I've been extremely public with my story on Facebook and social media. Uh, like, it's like, you got to read a play by play of everything that I was going through. Uh, not everybody does that. You know, some people are extremely private about what they're going through and, um, in fact I know of people who like attended a function with a wig on and stared people in the eyes and none of them had any clue that they were in the middle of their chemotherapy treatments so they're like they're that private so um, what I got out of sharing the way that I did um, I mean it does comes with the pros and pros and cons like the cons being like oh my god the private messages I got for people who had all these magic potions and lotions and things that they wanted to sell me and like god knows what like I I, I made myself vulnerable to that um, but the the it was overwhelmingly positive because um, you know when you share with people they're that much more likely to support you so one of the things that um you know in the weeks leading up to my mastectomy when like i was dealing with the emotional impact of what it's going to feel like to lose my breasts and i thought you know maybe i could try something positive and i thought it was brilliant for coming up with this idea i'm like i'm going to throw a party with some girlfriends to say goodbye to my boobies <gasps> let's call it a bye bye boobie party only to find out that this is a thing like if you google it it's an actual thing So they come in various. So bye bye boobies party is a thing. Um, They are also known as say tata to the tatas, and there's another one called a boob voyage party. Like I was like I thought I was like so original, but um, what manifested was that a group of women rallied around and held what's called like a healing circle for me, and half of those women I have never met in my life. And so there were eight eight women all together. Uh, one woman opened up her home and everybody bought snacks and food. I got a foot massage and we did dancing and we just like did a like a like like a spiritual healing session and I remember like walking into that feeling a little bit uncomfortable because. I'm thinking, oh my God, like it's so gracious of them to share and to, to, for them to take this time to do this for a complete stranger. But what I got and what I really learned from that experience, when I walked in through those doors, these women that I'd never met before looked me in the eyes and they said, Nina, thank you so much. Thank you so much for letting us do this for you. And it was so awkward because I'm like, I should be thinking you. Like, yo, I don't even know you. And, and that's what I got um, from my experience of being open to receiving, being open with sharing my vulnerability because it's like people are just dying to give. And so it would, it would really be an insult to them if I weren't open to receiving. You know, so I had to like, it took something though. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. I feel like I don't deserve this. And I don't even know you. You don't even know me. Why are you doing this for me? But for me to be so thankful for them. And it just, uh, I, it was such a unique experience to do that. And so I kind of got that from, uh, that all just came about because I shared what it was
0: that I was going through. As someone who's been on the other side of your sharing, um, you know, I can genuinely say that it's like you brought us on that journey with you and so the the gift to contribute to someone who you know has been hurting um and while it may seem as though they don't know you don't know them therefore they don't know you just sharing immense heartbreak breaks down walls like in an instant where someone can say oh I know immense heartbreak. I Therefore, I know you in this respect. And and I'm so grateful for those girls. My gosh, like thank you, sisters, wherever you are, whoever you are, um, for rallying around another, even if for yourself, it was a little strange. Yeah. You know, we swarm anyway. And yeah. I <laughs> so love that uh Mina, this conversation, this interview, who you are, I am so so, so grateful for it. you know, this whole journey, but then even just for today, like you said, there are a lot of people who are private in these moments, and of course, I respect whatever decision you make. But the fact that there is someone like yourself who is sharing so vulnerably and so transparently allows us to witness the human spirit being so resilient coming out the other side and letting us take a glimpse, catch a glimpse of in my darkest time, I too will shine again. I too will rise again. And without sharing the stories like yours or stories like yours, it is very hard for us to grasp that. And so I'm so grateful for you. Um, I'm so grateful for your journey. Um, that it has brought you to where you are. Uh, Because I know for every one woman like you, there are some who are still really grappling with, you know, coming out of, of, you know, any kind of dip or, you know, mental, darkness still um and so for anyone listening who might still be there uh, all the love all the all the strength being sent to you and that this is your road and your journey and you do you however it needs to look um, I mean, you had mentioned that there's your, you have a blog that, that mm-hmm. you're now continuing to share. I mean, it was just on Facebook. So Facebook and Instagram, where can we find you first of all on Insta or Facebook, just to get the, the, the story that I'm following yeah. along so everyone else can join in on that. And then I know you had a blog you're now starting. Yeah. So
1: first of all, on Instagram, you can catch me at fit girl, rich girl. So fit girl by day, rich girl by night. So you can yeah. my Instagram handle is fit girl, rich girl. My blog is on Patreon. So if you're familiar with the platform, it is a really, really great platform where you can access a lot of different creative um, uh, artwork or blogs or podcasts or all kinds, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I do have a blog on that platform. The address is patreon.com forward
0: slash Mina Yun. Awesome. And I'll be sure to put that in the show notes for anyone who's listening. If you are driving and you don't have a pen, don't stress. It is in the show notes. No problem. Um, that's all I've got for today, Mina. You uh, have been a treasure to spend time with. I am eternally grateful. So thank you so much. Thank you. So much fun to spend this time with you. To everyone else listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to me if you enjoyed the content to please leave a review and a rating and subscribe to the show. It'll help others find us so that we can spread this important message. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, choose unstoppable.